Hey everyone, and welcome to the Forefront Podcast. We are a community of pioneers exploring and building at the forefront of the Web3 playground. We've dug through the noise and surfaced a signal on the state of the art of tokenized communities in the internet native economy. Enjoy this bi-weekly roundup of the latest and greatest in social tokens, DAOs, and more. Can I get some GMs in the chat real quick? Let's get some folks moving. GM, hell yeah. We've had SongCamp on Hangouts. SongCamp was one of the OG Hangouts guests, like back when we were doing this, oh man, in like June, July, August of last year. And so much has happened both with SongCamp and Forefront since then. So I feel like this is like getting the gang back together. Yeah, first Hangouts in September of last year. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude. Yeah, that's been a minute. I was there and, and I remember Matthew was representing Song Camp, which also shows how we've grown a community. I have here with me Fran and Sarmad, who are part of the stewards team. And yeah, it's I'm excited to always bring and to also represent the community as a collective rather than one person speaking. I would always favor a group of us because we could tell richer stories that way. And yeah, thank you for having us, man. And we are excited to share what we're up to. I'm excited as well. Yeah, there's tons we could jam on, but as usual, let us just start with some quick intros so we know who's here, what's up, and, and, and who is speaking to this lovely audience we have. So we can start with Mark and then let's go Fran and then Gradient just because that's the order I see on my screen. Amazing. Thank you, Jihad. So I'm Mark Rodito. I am an artist, technologist, and a community designer. I've been involved in different communities and scenes all my life, most specifically punk and DIY and underground music scenes. In 2013, I went full-time doing music. I did all that stuff, touring, album cycles. Around 2019, late 2019 is when I uh, encountered Web3 via Audius, and it showed me the capabilities of what this new technology can bring. And from then, I fell down the rabbit hole, joined many discords, Forefront is one of them, Seed Club, FWB, and now finally, Song Camp, and here we are. Oh yeah. Fran, you're up? Sure. My name's Fran Miller. I'm a vocalist primarily, a composer in Toronto. I'm a grad student, I've been in school for forever. And yeah, I guess I moved into full-time music, but I started work as a full-time musician in and around 2019. And that was a bit of a complicated time to do it because as we know, things changed for the landscape in 2020. I think that is what pushed me to start exploring um, and looking for like new areas, new ways to continue to make a living with music and also just got me thinking, the grad student side of me got me thinking about what are new sustainable models outside of, let's say, streaming that could help us as musicians maybe reclaim some of, some of the artistry and some of the, the money that comes along with that. Amazing. Lots we could talk about there. Thank you, Fran, for joining. And Gradients, last but not least. Hello, my name's Gradient. That's my artist name. I'm a singer, songwriter, and sort of musician who's actually quite new to, I would say, the, the music industry. I've only really been taking my artistry full-time over the last year to now, partly in thanks to SongCamp and Web3, but I used to be a management consultant before. And yeah, basically switched over to music last year fell down the rabbit hole of Web3 thanks to SongCamp and participating. And I actually spent a decent amount of my time 
being onboarded through things like Forefront and coming to the tea times and hanging out on this Discord to get myself caught up, especially the, I, I don't remember what the channel name's called anymore. It's been a minute, but I think you guys had like a, a daily links channel and that's where I'd be going to search for, for what's going on in Web3. So thank you to, to Forefront and other communities like SongCamp for helping me get onboarded to Web3. Heck yeah, that always makes me so happy to hear when people are talking about their journey and they're like, oh yeah, and I hopped in the Forefront Discord, like that's what we're here for. Just I'll plug this real quick, just because you mentioned that FF Daily channel has now become Forefront Signal, which is basically the same exact thing, except we have a website for it now, which is is wonderful. So I just dropped a link in the voice text. Yes, but... Anywho, we are here to talk about chaos. And so Captain and I were jamming about like potential Hangouts guests. And then I think, Mark, you sent out the tweet where you were like, we need to talk about chaos. What podcast can we get on? And we were like, oh yeah, we need to get these guys in here. Um, yes. But I think like Song Camp OG and now like with this new project, there is the, the fundamental like Web3 element of, oh yeah, this is a music DAO or a music collective using Web3 tech. But then when you dig deeper, you realize there's so much innovation happening within the community and just so much creativity outside of the, of the actual music creation. So I want to start with the more fundamental question of what is chaos, but more specifically, let's start with where did this idea for chaos come from and what did the birth look like? Ooh, wow. Start starting with the the I would say the most challenging question, right? I think <laughs> we're all figuring it out as we go, but I think the kernel of it is what would it look like for us to create a headless artist? And shout outs to the other internet for seeding that idea of what a headless brand looks like. But since we're all musicians and artists in the community. We're exploring what does a collective, an organism, a headless artist look like. And we've seen some of that proto-headless artists in the past. I think what recent comes to mind is Brockhampton, where you know there's no one singular leader. All artists are represented through this one artist voice. And so we explored that idea through this project, Chaos, and we've gathered about 80 artists and hackers to create the music to build the infrastructure for distribution and value flow. We've created artworks, generative artworks that represent these musics. And we also built the value flow infrastructure via using splits, coordinate, a mishmash of all these different tools. Maybe, Sarmad, if you could add more color to that. I know that Sarmad is deep into the operational and the dev side of things. Maybe you could add more to that. Yeah, sure. I guess if we're answering the, the question of what is chaos, I'm reading the chat, sorry, it got me distracted for a second. Chaos, I think Mark did a really good job explaining it. If we want to go one layer deeper of like how we're actually implementing or executing this chaos is we're creating a bunch of music NFTs. And rather than do it the sort of easy way where we create a bunch of songs and create artworks for it, we decided to add a generative element to the visual piece of the music that we create. So we've got musicians creating a bunch of music. We've got our visual team creating visuals for that music being made. But this visual team is creating different layers for the music that is going to be compiled like a generative profile picture project so that each music NFT that gets sent out is unique in its visual. And to do that, we've got a dev team that is creating a custom contract for us. So that's layer number one, which is custom contract to create our own unique NFTs. 
Layer number two on the dev side is something that Mark alluded to, which is the splits aspect of it. So how do we make sure value gets flowed across to everyone that's participating in camp? Well, we're actually using the OX splits protocol to make sure that our representative ownership is distributed automatically when this NFT is sold to the 80 of us across camp. And we've got this OX splits team helping with that. And then there's another element which we can maybe get onto later on, but we like to call supercharged NFTs that allow us to essentially sell our master rights, if you will, for these NFT, uh, for this music project to other people. And so we'll, we'll get to that later. I don't want to go too deep, but that's a development and executional element of, of the project. Okay, so I want to rewind a bit for folks who might not be super familiar with the traditional process of creating and then essentially monetizing a song. What do traditional revenue shares and, and master's rights look like? And how does that evolve in the chaos model? Yeah, that's something that we talk about a lot in our community. The current state of the music industry landscape is, is pretty cumbersome, confusing, and doesn't really value the artist, or it only values the 1% of artists. Think of the Dua Lipas and the, the Drakes of the world. And so let's zone in on royalties. Royalties are so confusing. Like even for someone like me who has been in the game for about a decade now, it still boggles my mind how confusing that shit is. And there's so many multiple different royalty streams that each artist has to identify and account for and sign up for. And so what we're doing is this is fucking tiring. Let's create a new royalty flow, one that is simple, one that doesn't involve intermediaries. And also one that could also potentially uh, open up new ways or new unlocks of like how we actually gather or how do we actually flow value back to the artist. Part of that experiment and part of that exploration is this value flow uh, model that we're exploring through OX splits, through supercharged NFTs, through a combination of different tools. And maybe Fran could also color in. I, I do know that Fran also has a, a bunch of experience in, in the music industry. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that covers most of it. The other thing I was going to add, though, is that the other thing about royalties is it's incredibly slow. So you're waiting quarterly for your statement. You have to, in certain cases, you have to like know where the pots of money are in order to collect. And you're really reliant on organizations, whether that's like your label, whether that's your performing rights organization, to get paid. But it really is the amount of knowledge that you need to have in order to be collecting this money or know how to collect it and know what you're entitled to is like pretty vast. And it, even for me, and as Mark said, for, for Mark as well, it's just something that I still I'm continually trying to wrap my head around <laughs> and fully figure out. So I think some of this, just in terms of the the things that we're trying to do at Song Camp, it's making it a little, really trying to simplify and also speed up that process. So, you know, you aren't waiting for months and months for a check. So that's just one interesting aspect is just the, the speed of things. Things can move a little faster in this world. Super interesting. It almost feels counterintuitive because in some ways there are more folks involved in the process 
So you would think that the speed would actually get slowed down in order to do things equitably, but at the same time, like the, the power of the tools that we're using take out the middlemen that traditionally slow down the process. One of the things that is often talked about in Web3 and in, in these sorts of communities more broadly is like the way that value is distributed throughout the community. How do you figure out who is doing what and make sure that folks are being uh, compensated accordingly? I think that's difficult, but much more straightforward when you have an artist or like a, a much more cleanly defined team of artists that's working on a particular song and is sharing royalties accordingly. But it's much more difficult when you're talking about this idea of a, a headless band where there's, I believe you guys said, 80 folks all contributing <laughs> at the same time. What is that process looking like for you guys? And, and how are you determining value flow throughout the community? That's a really good question. I think what I would probably start off by saying is when we all came together to do this, all of us are approaching this from a very experimental nature. Like we, we recognize that this is an experiment and that we're trying something new. And so I think that's the base that you start off with. And anytime you're experimenting, everyone needs to be on the same page and you need to move forward together. So with that precedent, we decided to try a couple of different methods combined to create value. So number one, we offered everyone in camp a base UBI, uh, universal basic income, although I don't like using that word, but don't have a better term. We offered that to anybody participating in the project. If I remember correctly, it's 0.3 ETH to say, hey, we value your time. We know this is going to require work and we appreciate you being here. And so we want to pay you up front, regardless of what happens at the end of this project. And we get paid out. So we offered that to everyone and that was opt-in. Anybody who wanted it could take it. Number two, we decided to manage the project on what we call acts, which are essentially mini seasons, if you will, at two-week periods, where at the end of each two-week period, we'll do a reflection and decide how to flow value. And so at the end of those two-week periods, what we did was, one, we'd offered a self-selection survey, which basically was your way of saying, hey, this two-week period, I worked this much. And so we had the option of no, I, I did no work this week. These two weeks, I did a low amount, a medium, and a high. And so people could self-select to, to do that themselves. And then the second piece was Coordinate, which is, for those of you that are aware, a Web3 tool that allows you to essentially distribute these tokens to your team members to say, hey, this person helped me out with work, or I received value from this particular person, and therefore I want to reward them for their work. And if you will, there is a, a mechanism that's said for you to signal that I did this amount of work, and there's a mechanism that's signaling, I think that person did a lot of work, and therefore they deserve value. And so the combination of these two things are what end up deciding your value share percentage within camp. And at the end of it all, to make sure that we cover our basis, we actually held back a portion of our value flow or ownership on the project as what we're calling holdback to say, hey, we know that the system isn't perfect. And so in case there are any sort of errors or we've overlooked certain people, we'll use this holdback mechanic or this holdback percentage to reward or fix any errors in our system. So I'll pause there because I know that was a lot and I tried my best to break it down into its components. Definitely a lot, but I think the best compensation, the best like reward programs are, are as granular as the one you're describing. So huge props there. And I'm excited to see like how this turns out over time. I'm curious, I'm curious about a lot of things, but the first is like this UBI point that you mentioned. What has the general response been to that? And how, what are lessons that you've learned 
that you maybe you didn't expect in, in implementing the, the UBI portion of the comp method. Just speaking personally, it made a huge difference mentally in terms of my ability to be all in on this project and on this experiment. I think it's important too, when you're thinking about artists and wanting artists to be a diverse group of people, it's just important to meet them where they're at in a sense, just meaning you can't assume that every artist is going to be able to take the risk of eight weeks on spec, essentially, <laughs> eight, eight weeks, e even though it's a camp and it's like an opportunity to learn. So I think the Point 0.3 ETH was just like on song camps, just a really a really good way to say, we value what you're doing. We understand that you're taking on this experiment with us. And we are grateful for that. And here's like a way to show that. And also just having been doing a couple of interviews with folks, with musicians as they're leaving camp, just figuring out what we could do better for next time, how things worked, how they felt overall about the experience since the music making portion has wrapped up. And everybody that I spoke to brought up how important the 0.3 ETH was to them and how how grateful they were for that that specific aspect of the project in terms of value flow. So yeah, that's what that's what I could say about that specifically. Not sure if Mark or Sarmat have any other thoughts. Yeah, I would like to add more color to that. I guess one when we were designing the whole sort of like royalty flow and the UBI and all that stuff, a project that comes to mind for me that I took a lot of inspiration from was Moonshot Collective, Biddle Giddle, DAO of developers, where regardless of your coding skills, right, you are invited into the DAO and they stream money to you right away as you learn, as you gain more context. And then when you actually pursue projects that get value to the DAO, they stream more money at you. And so that's a proto UBI of sorts that's sort of live already in Web3. And so we, we took that as inspiration and adopted that to our own particular usage. And then also maybe a, a guiding principle in, in that UBI design is also the understanding that the Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Basics are at the bottom and then transcendence or enlightenment is at, is at the top. How can we take care of the basics such that these people who are participating in this project feel more creative and liberated from at least the basics? And yeah, just wanted to offer that as well. Yeah, I think just to add on a tiny point um, to, to end this off, what this did by providing UBI at the onset, you're approaching the project with, with a, such a positive frame of mind as an artist. I think like a lot of artists have mentioned this are expected when they go into writing sessions and production sessions to just be there on their own time and hope for a payout at the end if that song gets placed, if that song gets distributed or get picked up by major streams. And so you're expecting a payout sometimes in the future that doesn't come. And setting an artist up to say, look, your time is already valuable from the moment you walk into the room just empowers you so much and puts you in, in a positive frame of mind to create like the best music that you possibly can because you've already been compensated. So I think that intention, that energy and that vibe came through where a lot of like the first act songs that we've had were really high energy and off the gate were, were people like dropping some really amazing music. So I think that was really quite important and, and a really good learning to say, hey, we should really lean into this UBI because um, happy people are going to create some excellent music. Yeah, and there's definitely a lesson to be learned there. Happy people are going to create excellent music and happy contributors more broadly are always going to want to bring their all to the organization that they're contributing to, right? And I think the, the more that we can 
I know someone mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the more that we can think with that mindset and and support folks who are putting in their time and energy, I think is, is super, super important. And and that trust is super, super important as well. Don't make feel, people feel that they're being babied or need, or need to be watched for the work that they're doing. I was going to say that trust point is important. And I saw Jay's sort of comment about trust. One thing that I forgot to mention as part of the experiment is we're being extremely transparent across camp rather than have hidden channels and teams being compartmentalized. All our channels are open for camp, for all camp participants. They get to see what the visual team's doing. They get to see what the music's doing, what kind of conversations are going on about the economics and value flow. Everything is open as well as the self-selection results and the allocations of our tokens through coordinate. Everything is transparent. Everyone gets to see this. And so we're both placing trust in the hands of our of our community members, as well as placing their trust in us to say, look, we're sharing everything that we're doing. We don't have to hide. We don't have to hide anything behind these spreadsheets or, or other areas to really see what's going on. It's all open for you to look at and comment on if you think something's going on that's not right. Yes, I think that's the principle behind that is our processes, our design and our principles like really show in these sort of like processes that we deploy in our community. There is a default to open sort of principle there. And the understanding is that, yeah, you are part of this community, you are part of this project. Yes, of course. How do we flow information to you as quick as we can, as transparent as we can, so that you also are in the know. And that informs behavior. That gives permission to people to say, oh, cool, visuals are doing this. Oh, actually, I have a piece here that possibly could be in- integrated onto this like visual project. And so, you know, like it does really wonderful things to your mind. It gives permission to people to really just contribute like fluidly and organically. 100%. I want to get into a little bit more. Jay asked this really interesting question around the actual like mode of contribution. So he asked, what does the collaboration process look like across the board between so many different creatives with such vast areas of expertise? I remember seeing a tweet where I believe chaos is broken down into small teams who are working on different songs. I might be wrong there. So would love to hear more about what these containers for collaboration look like and, and how you're dealing with such a large group in a more decentralized fashion who might have overlapping skills, might have overlapping or opposing visions for for what a particular song might look like, et cetera, et cetera. I can talk a little bit about how the music side of things was structured, if that's all right. And then maybe Sarmad Mark can color that in (laughs) for me if I miss anything. There were, or there, there are in camp, 45 musicians working to create music. And the containers that we created, I think we realized, I think, Song Camp took lessons from the previous project, Electra, and realized that, yes, you, ha- you can have big groups of people, but you also want a chance to build camaraderie. And that kind of happens in, we were thinking groups of 10 around. So we wanted to 10, 15, maybe max. We wanted to start with those containers. So at first we started by organizing the music side into three houses. And then each house had four bands and each band had three people. And when the artists were selected for camp, they were selected and thrown, although many were very multi-talented and could do many things, they were put into an area of either they were a producer, they could steward a song from start to finish, they were a flex musician, they could do a bit of production, maybe sing, maybe play a couple instruments. That could be, that was a very like flexible role, flex, and then um, a vocalist songwriter. So within each band, and there were four bands in each house, there were three 
people, one of each producer flex. I can imagine a world where you have some groups where you have like three, four gr- folks that are like super, super dedicated, putting tons of hours in to get an incredible song out. And then some folks where they just like overcommitted their time and, and aren't able to contribute the same amounts. How is, have you guys like dealt with that, for lack of a better term, like the free white rider problem in camp? I'd imagine folks who are in chaos are already committed to some extent, but you could also imagine folks who are just really stoked about the idea, think that they're going to have more time than they do, and then aren't actually contributing to the extent that they said they were going to. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I think the word that comes to mind is social pressure. <laughs> there, there's something to be said about everything transparent and all of our channels, and everyone can see what's going on. And so there were instances where there are some bands, band members, where it's, oh, I overcommitted this week and I can't make it or I can't join the writing sessions. And that's cool. People actually step up and cover for them. Or we adapt. I, I believe it was either Colin or Dilip. Well, I think it was Dilip, who was, was, was part of one band, but then at the last minute, we shifted him into another band to cover for people who have overcommitted. And th- there's a strong sense of sensing and feeling and adapting to what's going on. And so... People, Fran, Sarmad, all of us who are stewards are continuously sensing and feeling this whole organism. Like, where is the lack? And then we pour resources there. So I think in, in general, that's our approach. But maybe also Fran and Greg could, could add to that. Yeah, no, I think you summed it up really well. I think the other aspect to touch upon is what Mark just ended with, which is like the stewards and the operations of the camp. Just keeping keeping people around that are stewarding different areas of the camp as as a way to actively manage the particular project but beyond that i think honestly people were were, one as artists i think a lot of us are sort of self-deprecating where we don't think we're providing as much value as we are and so i think that's just like the base that you start off with where every musician's yeah i didn't really do too much and so what ends up happening is People are extremely honest about their contributions. In a lot of these self-select forms that I spoke about, people are like, I actually did contribute low or I contributed medium this week because I wasn't around. And then the tokens that they're getting from Coordinate also reflect that, where people are like, yeah, this team member helped more than the other one, and that's okay. Um, Therefore, they deserve the value that's being flowed to them. Yeah, I think the honesty and the, the the transparency coupled with artists generally being quite honest has worked out really well for us. I'd love to see what happens when you scale this out to a thousand people instead of the 80 of us. And if this transparency and this level of honesty remains, I'm not so sure. But right now, we're all fortunate enough that people have been extremely honest. Yeah, I just said in the chat, that level of scale would definitely be incredible, but also very scary. Like, I think it's it's a lot. That idea of social pressure and trust becomes a lot more difficult to implement when you're reaching that level of scale and, and folks 100%. don't have those really We are already reaching the, that sort of like the Dunbar's number, right? You know, what does the Dunbar theory say? For one specific human to interact meaningfully with each other, the limit is 150 people. And that includes your family members and your close friends. And so if you put that into this chaos and song camp perspective, Dude, we're almost at the limit. And when Sarmad posts this situation, what would it look like if we scale this? My mind goes, oh shit, I don't know, bro. I don't know if that's even possible. I think it is possible, but there, are, there would be trade-offs to it. I think what we're doing could potentially be 
a product at some point, but that would also involve less human touch, possibly, which I think is a, a very strong force in this project. And personally, I don't want to lose that. So what I would say there is I, the, the reason I brought up the scaling to a thousand people and I think this somewhat touches on crypto rappers question is I find doing things in groups a lot more interesting than doing things individually. Super groups or headless bands being a future. I think there's a very good possibility because one of the more interesting conversations I had in camp was the responsibility of a project of success is shared amongst many people. That makes it a lot easier to participate, right? Like to try and become successful as an individual musician, you're battling thousands of other artists. But then when you're banding together as 80 artists being one sort of project, you're now sharing that responsibility amongst 80 people. It's not all on you for this to be a success. That makes things a lot easier. Now to go back to this question of like, how do you scale when you consider something like Dunbar's number? I think we actually learned a, a really cool lesson in executing this camp. And so if you looked at that picture, we had houses at one point within a band, that secondary picture that Mark posted, I'll reply to it. And that houses concept was quite interesting because we found that people started interacting a lot more with the people that they were housed with, even though they weren't part of the same band. That smaller community of people allowed interaction to be a lot more organic for relationships to build. So I think taking that concept and scaling it out and being like, what do houses look like when you have a thousand people? How do you have people interact in that way? How do you have houses interact with each other? I think there's interesting ways where you can scale, keep a level of community, keep a level of interaction still going, yet still allow for a larger number of people to participate in a particular project. I don't know what the final answer looks like, but I'd love to try it one day. <laughs> one thing that comes to mind throughout this conversation is, I mean, in Web3 broadly, this is an underlying thread, but I think more recently we're starting to see more descriptions and more experiments with this idea of uh, collective creativity outside of just saying, hey, we're going to start a DAO. MetaLabel comes to mind as a recent model. There's obviously the OG Squad Wealth essay and, and thinking through how that's impacted the space. Song Camp has done an incredible idea or job of experimenting with this idea of camps and now the Chaos Project. I'm curious from you guys' perspective, do you see these as distinct experiments under a collective theme or are these sort of all learning from each other and taking the good and leaving the bad from each other throughout the I believe the space? it's an evolution of all these different ideas, right? I believe in the notion that nothing is original. And so I, I, to give context to that, I'm an electronic music producer. So my, my understanding of music is really pulling from the works that came before me and like combining them all together into something interesting and novel. And so the same approach from my perspective is also inherently in all these song camp projects. I'm pretty sure myself and my teammates like to read about all these different concepts emerging in our space and also outside of it and taking that inspiration and combining all these different mechanics that we could explore and experiment together. The Squad Belt essay was very formative for me. The Headless Brand essay is very formative for me. All these other projects that came before Song Camp really influenced the way that I see this space and how we conduct experiments. And so... Whenever people ask, hey, is this something new? Is this something, the first ever, I think in Web3, we, we say that the first ever, blah, 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 blah. But then in reality, no, it's actually an evolution of a previous idea. And stemming from like 
open like software development, right? Open source software. Like people attribute each other. Oh yeah, this one was forked from this, was forked from this, was forked from this. And so that same approach, personally, is something that is also embedded in SongCamp, in our ideas, in our experiments, in the way that we make music. 1,000%. I do want to get into the specifics of, of Crypto Rapper's original question around the playbook. In some ways, there seems to be a ton of organization and process around what you guys are doing at Chaos. And in a lot of ways, it is chaos. And then that holding that polarity, that balance is super, super important. I'm wondering to what extent you think folks are going to be able to build on top of this and use the playbook and to what extent this is very much a, a work in progress as far as, as how future headless bands might work and, and create. I think this playbook is specific to us, but that's not also, that's not saying that it's not applicable in other sort of areas and other contexts. And yeah, we believe in capturing our ideas and documenting our processes and releasing them to the public as an offering, as a contribution to Web3. And so we're big on documenting our processes, but I think the, the, pretext, is that, the pretext is that this worked for us. This is our recipe. And we're sharing it to you so that you could actually remix it into something that is specific to your locality. Like for example, Forefront has its own culture. Forefront has its own goals and, and, and its own processes. What would it look like for you all to say, oh, that worked for SongCamp, the way that they're doing things, but the other things, maybe they don't work for us. Now, let's take this recipe, take only what we need and deploy it and see if it works. If it works, then good. And now you have a new recipe that's very specific to Forefront. That's the way that I see it. Uh, all these products, the, these ideas, these systems, the, these recipes, they're all out there for, for the taking and for remixing. I'll, I'll add a little bit to this, but I'd also love to hear Brian's thoughts about this. Just for some context, I think like Mark and I are a little more deeply intertwined in this pro project from an ops core perspective, where Fran was both a musician and a steward uh, and guided these bands. So she has like a, a dual perspective. But my point that I was going to make is while this playbook is available for everyone to use, what's quite interesting is the people involved are going to imbue the playbook with a certain energy. So we talk about this about, about this a lot in Song Camp, about the, how there's an energy and a vibe and a feeling that resonates with the community or is like a through line for this particular community. And a lot of people experience it on our heartbeat calls and that permeates through our camps. And then so similarly, I think that energy comes from the type of people that are involved, like Matthew and Mark in the project and, and how they treat the people around them. So while you can take the playbook and apply it, I think you'll need certain types of people to be able to do that. And that's where Mark's point about tweaking to your uh, particular perspective makes a lot of sense. Carlos and Ujihad as, as sort of core contributors are going to treat things and manage people and a project in a certain way than what Mark and Matthew are. And so I think you need to adapt to the people that you have available because that's how you catalyze things. You use what are your strengths as people and take that alongside a playbook to create something new, novel, or something that works for your particular organization. I'm not sure what, yeah, I don't know that I can add anything to that. Just that I guess the one thing I've been thinking a lot about when it comes to SongCamp is each of the projects that SongCamp has undertaken have served to strengthen the community as a whole and also feed back into the idea as community being central to the success of the project. 
And so through these coordination efforts in creating these projects, it strengthens the bonds, strengths the bonds between folks in the community, the friendships, the wish to see everybody succeed individually and as a whole. And then also like just that fosters universal support, pro-social behavior towards one another. Just in general, it's been refreshing to be involved in a place that puts community first and is always thinking about things and designing things through the lens of what is good for the community, what will strengthen the community, what will make people feel like a valued part of the greater whole. Just as a musician, that's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot and why I think the song camp space is really special and also is something that other music groups could look to as a kind of inspiring model, I guess. (laughs) I think, Fran, you're touching on one of the core things in song camp is really friendship. That's, I think, if we're talking about the social layer of things, that's like the strongest social layer, social core that keeps or that binds this group together. I've been looking at research in how to create games. Arguably, what we're doing here in Web3 is some sort of game, a game of coordination. And so how do you build games that are pro-social? And there, there are certain factors to consider there. One is proximity able to interact with each other. One is repeat encounters. How often do we talk to each other? And I know for a fact that I talk to Sarmad and Fran every day. And another factor is reciprocity. How do we, I have resources and and you might need them here. Have some, that could be knowledge, that could be resource, whatever. And then lastly would be disclosure, intimate information being shared to each other. And so that to me, the friendships like, We would have hangouts just in little groups where we could just vent and have happy hour together and just talk about life. And I think this is really a very important thing, important ingredient in in how Song Camp binds together, gathers together. And I think all the participants understand this concept. Beautiful. Yeah. And and Fran mentioned that this is like a a learning opportunity for related groups. But I think this is a a learning opportunity for just like the space, the Web3 space more broadly and learning like how to collaborate, how to trust, how to emphasize friendships and relationships in a community in order to actually get the stuff that you want to get done. So 100% agreed across the board. I know we're running up on time. So first of all, folks, if you have any other questions that you want to ask the crew, please do. Otherwise, Grady and Fram, Mark, any closing thoughts, plugs, anything that you want to shill? I do want to continue this conversation just broadly about future Forefront Song Camp collabs. We could do that async in the Discord, but yeah, anything else? Yes, absolutely. Chaos, we're going to release 20, what, was it 20,000 or 21,000? 20,000 music NFTs, 5,000 packs. Am I allowed to say the date, Sermad? Is it already public? <laughs> Yeah, end, end of May. Towards, Towards the end of May. Yeah. That's the way we'll say it. We'll, this just, is just to be recorded, so please be careful with your <laughs> yeah, alpha. Thank you, Jihad, and thank you so much. But yes, we are going yeah. to release these NFTs, and they're very beautiful. All the songs are so wonderful. They are genreless. The genre is chaos. It's amazing. We're very excited to share this with everyone, all of you all. Sarmad, are there any other things on the horizon that we're releasing, friend? Yeah, I guess you'd say to, to stay in touch, check out Headless Chaos on Twitter to, to follow along and, and keep updated. We're, we're trying to do our best job to dissect a lot of the, the information that we shared here in greater detail, both on a podcast. So we've been documenting our experience as we build it, 
So you can hear that through our Chaos Radio podcast. As well, every Thursday, we're having Twitter spaces, I believe, 5.30 Eastern, which is 2.30 Pacific. So you can come in and tune into those if you're really curious about how we've been building the project and its specific areas. Fran, take it away. Oh, actually, yeah, I can talk about the just podcast really quick. But yeah, I wanted to share, you can sign up for email updates as well at chaos.build. And also, one of the really interesting, exciting aspects of camp for me anyway, (laughs) for me anyways, is that actually there's a group has created a podcast that sort of um, takes us through act by act, since Camp Chaos is organized in acts, takes us through what's going on in camp, through from the music itself, to the artist creating art, to the value flow, to the dev build side of things. Yeah, it's actually really exciting and also like another kind of semi blueprint of you can you can see how we've been structuring camp there. Also, I, I wanted to say that shout outs to the Forefront family, Jihad, Carlos, Caroline, Jay. Y'all are like family to me. Oh, Chakra as well. Y'all are like family to me. And so I feel like it's so organic that we gather together and share notes because y'all are also part of the family. And so... Thank you for having us. One question I'll answer because Jay asked it in, in the chat about the packs. So just to break that down, there are 20,000 NFTs that are all unique, but how we're distributing them is in the form of packs. So there's going to be 5,000 packs available and each pack will contain four music NFTs. So you, you purchase one pack and you'll get access to four different song NFTs within it. Hopefully, hopefully that that makes sense to you, Jay. Makes sense to me. Um, Mark, the feeling is definitely mutual. Definitely excited for more FF Song Camp collabs. If there's any way that we could support, please let us know. In the meantime, Mark, Frank, Gradient, this was freaking awesome. I've got like DMs popping saying, this is so good. And me and Captain are like jamming right now on like new ideas. It's, it's great. So I appreciate you guys for, for coming through sharing sharing your giga brains and and hope to chat again soon for sure thank you jihad thank you so much appreciate you guys have a good one thank you for having us bye hey fam thanks for listening to the forefront podcast we'd love to hear from you so please visit us on twitter at forefront underscore or on the web at forefront.market you can come through our discord too anytime night or day we'll see you next time